Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Signs. We've been uh, <clears throat> talking about those. My sincere prayer is that as we conclude this series today, it will not be the end of our belief for and expectation of signs to interrupt our daily life. Last week, we uh, did some summary. Some, there's no way we can deal with all the miracles that Jesus did when he was here. This video ties directly to the, some of the summary that we did last week, some of the general lessons that we can pull from the entire canopy of Jesus' miraculous ministry here on earth. You will remember the first one that I shared with you is that his miracles teach us that the blame game keeps us signless. If, if we see no signs, we need to examine ourselves because we cannot blame others for seeing no signs. It's a direct reflection of our own faith. I also, I also told you that Jesus expects us to use the faith that we have, not the faith that, w that we need to develop. He just wants us to use the faith that we have. Point in case, this video is perfect of that because he said, I, this wasn't a big faith day for me. Just the smallest faith wrapped up in participation. He'll remind you, remind you that I said we have to participate in our miracle. Our obedience is the key component. When we mix a little bit of faith with a little bit of obedience, God intervenes on our behalf. I told you that we cannot become copycats of Jesus' miracles. What we need to copy is Jesus' faith, that as we operate in faith, and then I told you, and again, this video is a perfect illustration of that, that we need to leave the church. We don't quit the church. We leave the church. We leave the confines of these four walls and in our daily life. That, wasn't, that didn't happen in a church. That happened in a hospital. That in our daily life outside the four walls, we see Jesus operating and bringing signs and so signs are all around us in fact some of you are beginning to experience signs we had one happen this week uh, some of you are sitting next to miracles this morning you recognize that like Betty Palisano I'm going to share your story real quickly Betty was riding down the road I guess on the way to work minding her own business and two little punks in a in a car I'll call them that because they were being stupid two 17 year olds started to play chicken with her coming at her that's pretty dumb, by the way. And they moved her completely to the side of the road. She's honking, blinking her lights. And the 17-year-old dropped his cell phone and decided while playing chicken is the perfect time to fish out your cell phone and continued to come over, and they collided head on. Flipped his car upside down. The two teenagers uh, totaled both cars. Betty's here this morning because God is still a miracle-working God outside the four walls of our church. Amen. So I'm excited about that. Anybody excited Betty's here this morning? I'm glad she's here. She's a little sore, I think, but I'll take soreness over the alternative, right? And so we're thankful this morning. So what I want us to do is I want us to go back and I want to read the promises that this series has been based on, but I want to read it a little bit differently this morning. It's going to be mass chaos, I understand that, but we're going to read it a little bit differently. What I want us to do as we read back over the passages of Scripture where Jesus reveals our destiny and our heritage I want us to insert our name, your name, at particular places. And so uh, I think I even have it listed this way on the screen. So when you see the blank, just call out your name, all right? John chapter 14, beginning of verse 11, Jesus says this, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Steve 
will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Then the other passage that we've been standing on is Mark chapter 16. In this one you get to say your name a lot. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them. In my name shall Steve cast out devils. Steve shall speak with new tongues. Steve shall lay hands on the sick. Oh, I skipped. Steve shall take up serpents, and if Steve drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt Steve. Steve shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after that, the Lord had, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, amen. That is your heritage. That is your destiny right there wrapped up in Scripture. Now, before you get crazy or nervous and think that because of this passage of Scripture we're going to break out the snakes and break out the poison, one of the greatest signs God gives us is common sense. Amen. We're going to use common sense. I'm going to stay as far away from snakes as I possibly can because I don't like them. And I'm not drinking any poison because I'm not stupid. But if I were to, by accident, I have a promise. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. Y'all y'all already quiet on me. So let's continue to learn some things about signs from Jesus' example. The first one is this. Our demand for explanation will keep us signless. Please don't underestimate Jesus' craziness. All right? I, I, I just want you to understand that the people that were on planet Earth at the time that Jesus was on planet Earth were pretty sure that he was certifiable. Y'all understand that terminology, all right? I mean, I mean, if you go back and put yourself in the place of people that had an encounter with Jesus, you've got to kind of come to the conclusion that they probably thought he was off his rocker just a little bit. I mean, I mean for instance, put yourself in the place of the blind man. The blind man desires to see. He's been blind perhaps all of his life. His greatest desire is to be able to see clearly. Jesus walks into his community. They bring the blind man to Jesus. A blind man's hearing is well-tuned and well-honed, and so he asked Jesus to restore his sight, and all he hears is this. Jesus had to be nuts. I want to see, and what you're going to do is spit in the dirt and make a mud pie? Are you out of your mind? That doesn't make sense. Jesus had to be a little off of his rocker. I mean, you think about this. You put yourself in the disciples' position, and they come to this place in their life where they need to pay their taxes. And so they approach Jesus, and they say, Jesus, would you like for us to go to the local ATM and make a withdrawal so we can pay our taxes? And Jesus says, no, what I really want you to do is go down to a sea, and I want you to throw in a hook, and I want you to catch one particular fish out of all the millions of fish in that sea, and I want you to take that fish, open his mouth up, and there will be a coin in his mouth. You're nuts Jesus that makes no sense but neither case did they ask for explanation and they received the sign 
I am convinced that if they had said, you know what, we need you to explain this to us, Jesus. We're not going to obey you until we can figure this out with our cognitive ability. And you can give us all the details and you can explain in detail what you're going to do. I think they would have remained signless. See, I've already shared with you one instance regarding signs where the same statement made by two different people results in different outcome. You will remember that we talked about Jesus' encounter with the disciples and then he, he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And then he does nothing for them and then he comes into contact with blind Barnabas and blind Barnabas gets the same question asked to him and his response is different and so Jesus responds differently. There's another instance that I want to share with you. It's the story of Mary and Martha, you, it reveals to us the heart and head struggle that we often have. Their brother is dead. He has been dead for four days. Martha gets the news that Jesus is entering into her community, and she runs out to meet him, and she makes this logical, thought-out statement. She says, if you had been here, he would not be dead. I want you to notice that Jesus does not go into tomb-raiding action at that moment. He doesn't do anything. If you had been here, Jesus, my brother would not be dead. But then Mary comes out and says the same exact thing. She says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. Is that not the same exact statement? Same exact statement. But there is a difference. You've got to go read the text because at She says that same statement, if you'd been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. But then the passage says, and Mary wept. And Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was moved deeply. And at that moment, Jesus goes into resurrection mode, and Martha demands further explanation. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Martha says, oh, no, don't do that. I can't understand that. He's been dead for four days. He's going to stink. You've got to explain this to me, Jesus. Jesus does not respond to Martha's head knowledge. He responds to Mary's heart hurt. And I think so many of us struggle asking God and demanding from God an explanation And what that does is, in fact, it reveals a lack of faith. I am not saying that we should check our brain at the door. I've already told you that God gives us common sense. But what I am saying is that not only should we be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves, what I am saying to you is that there comes this moment when when our heart and our head begin to struggle and we want an explanation from God, we come to this place in our life where we will go with what we believe rather than what we can explain. See, I am convinced that until we are willing to embrace the uncomfortable, we will not experience the supernatural. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Until we are willing to, un, to embrace the uncomfortable, we are not going to experience the supernatural. The simple fact is this. If it is supernatural, then we probably aren't going to be able to figure it out. And if it's supernatural, we may never understand exactly how it worked. But my question to you is this. Do you really need to understand and do you need to really ex- demand an explanation? Or are you so desperate for a move of God in your own life that when he breaks in and it makes you uncomfortable, and you can't explain it and you can't write it all down and you can't figure it out are you still willing to allow God to be God 
just because you can't explain it and just because you can't figure it out does not mean that you can't still believe for it. The second thing that I want to say to you this morning is this, as we look at the overall landscape of Jesus' miracles, is this, Jesus is concerned about every area of our life. That should be great news. See, I, I, am, I, I just want you to understand this morning, I would be satisfied and content and happy if the only area of my, my life that Jesus can, was really concerned about or had compassion for was my spiritual condition. Honestly. If you gotta, if you got to pigeonhole Jesus and say you can only work in one area, then I'll take the spiritual area because without him there's no hope for eternity. I would be miserable spiritually. I'd have no access to the Father. So I am so thankful that he has the ability to operate in my life spiritually. But I just came to tell you that he didn't just limit his work to there. That should make us happy this morning. The thing that I love about studying the sign-marked life of Jesus is that it reveals that he's concerned about every aspect of my life. Is he concerned about our spiritual life? You better believe it. Go back and read the account that I read to you where the four friends lower their friend through the roof and you discover that Jesus was so concerned about his spiritual condition that before he ever spoke to his physical need, he spoke to his spiritual need and he brings him into relationship with God. He's concerned about our spiritual life. Is he concerned about our health? Well, that one's pretty easy, isn't it? All you got to do is go back and discover the number of times that he dealt with physical healing. But the powerful thing about this truth this morning is this, is that Jesus was concerned for our health in the severest place of sickness because he dealt with leprosy. We've talked about that a number of times. It was the AIDS of their day. And Jesus was willing to not only speak to that sickness, he was willing to reach out and touch those individuals and produce health and wholeness in their life. And so that truth to us is this, in our physical condition, God is concerned about the most severe sickness that some of you are facing right now. Some of you are facing uncertain futures because of the diseases that you're battling and fighting and doing war against. Jesus is concerned about that. But the great news is that not only is he concerned about the cruelest disease, he even took time to deal with simple fever. You remember Jesus stops on a journey and goes into Peter's mother-in-law's house and heals her of a common fever? So the truth that should encourage us this morning is this, that Jesus is not only just concerned about the severe sicknesses of life, he's even concerned about the common cold you're battling right now. That encourages me this morning. Is he concerned about our finances and our provisions? Well, just ask those who were hungry and had no food and watch him stand on a hillside and break loaves and fishes and feed 5,000 people. He's concerned about the provisions of your life. Go back and ask the disciples whose IRS return smelled like trout and see if he's not concerned about what it says in your checkbook and what it's going on in your bank account and about your work condition and about the concern of your life that's dealing in your finances and it's got you torn up and you can't sleep at night. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make ends meet. I can't buy Christmas gifts for my family. He's concerned about all that. Is he concerned about our relationships? You better believe it. 
Go back and ask the woman with the issue of blood that was cut off from our family for so many years. Go ask the man with leprosy that couldn't enter into the temple to worship. Go ask the demon-possessed man that was living in the cemetery. If the Son of God is concerned about restoring relationships, I came to tell somebody this morning, yes, he's concerned about your spiritual condition. Yes, he's concerned about your physical condition. Yes, he's concerned about your financial condition. But he's also concerned about your relationships, and he desires to restore broken places in your life. See, there's no area of your life, no matter how deformed, no matter how destroyed, no matter how painful, no matter how embarrassing, no matter how debilitating, that Jesus is not only concerned about, but more importantly, he is willing to bring change. Take courage this morning. Take hope this morning. That Emmanuel has come to dwell with us so that he can reach out and minister to the needs, every need of our life. That's the beauty of Hebrews chapter 4 when the Bible says very clearly we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. Think about that a moment. Jesus understands my reality. That's good news this morning. That means for some of you that are struggling with back pain, Jesus knows. That means that some of you are, are fretting over your children and you're not sure about your children's future and you don't know what's going to happen. Jesus knows. That means that some of you that have recently lost your job or started a new job or don't like your job anymore, good news this morning, Jesus knows means that if you're on your way to divorce court, Jesus knows. That means if you and your family members can't get along, Jesus knows. That means if you're driving to work, Jesus knows. We used to sing a song, oh, I'm going to butcher it, something about a sparrow. Y'all remember that one? Uh, his eye is on the sparrow. If he cares about a bird, why wouldn't he care about you? That's good news this Christmas season, that Jesus knows right where you are, right what's going on, and he can produce change. The third thing that I've discovered as I read over the accounts of miracles in the Bible that Jesus performed is this. This one's new. I'd never seen this before. But signs without salvations aggravate God. Ah, oh, you're just making that up. No, let me prove it to you. Matthew chapter 11, we read an interesting account. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24, listen very carefully. And I'm going to butcher one of these cities' names, but that's all right. It says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed. Because, here's why, they did not repent. Then he says, Woe to you. Here's the one I'm going to butcher. Shorazin, I guess, C-H-O-R-A-Z-I-N. Don't name your kid that. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted... Uh, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. That's pretty severe. Talk about getting spanked. See, 
This truth is important. Hear me carefully this morning. Catch this as we bring this series to a conclusion and as we begin to operate in signs. If we don't understand the purpose of signs, we will pervert signs. That was good. You ought to write that one down. If you don't understand the purpose of signs, you will pervert signs. The purpose of signs is to serve as an invitation to salvation. That's why we cannot and should not keep the testimony of our miracles to ourselves. The miracles we experience are not about us. They are about Him. You will remember that Jesus releases His disciples to go out and do ministry, and they come back to Jesus, and they begin to brag about the signs that they were able to perform. We were able to cast out demons in your name. We were able to lay hands on the sick, and they got whole. We we worked all these miracles, and you will remember that in one moment, Jesus rebukes them. And He says, it's not about all that. The greatest sign is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's about salvation. He does not deny that they were used. They had been used. He does not deny that miracles had followed them because miracles had followed them. But he readjusts their focus and says the purpose of all that you saw happen was to bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus so that they can have a relationship with Christ and with God. Salvation is the focus. I want to make a statement to you this, this morning that I want you to catch. We can have a sign show in here every week. But if no one is getting saved, we have perverted the purpose. How many times in Scripture does it say that after Jesus worked a miracle, that word spread about him? In fact, the Bible teaches us that he would often tell the people that he would touch and that he would heal and that he would work miracles in their life. He would often look at them and say, don't tell anybody about what happened. Y'all, y'all read that before. And in almost every case, they disobeyed and they went out and they told and the entire region would come seeking Christ. They could not keep the miracle to themselves. It had changed their life so substantially that they could not keep it. It's hard to keep the fact that you couldn't walk and now you're running down Main Street to yourself. So my question for us this morning is why do we keep quiet? I see I just, I was floating like a butterfly and then I stung you like, you know, that's that's the art of preaching right there. I got you all night. Oh yeah. But then pow, right in the kisser, I just put it on you. If they couldn't be quiet about the miracles that Jesus performed in their life, how come we're so quiet about what Jesus has done in our lives? Has Jesus' fame spread because of your testimony? We've seen over the course of the last 11 and a half months, we have seen 71 individuals come to Christ this year as a direct result of various aspects of ministries of this of this church. We've we've seen people get saved during the dog days of summer or hot dog outreach. We've seen people get saved in our youth service. We have seen people get saved at various activities. But I want you to hear me carefully this morning. 
I will venture to, to, to make this statement that if we are careful to spread the word about the miracles that Jesus has worked in our life, that number would double. That's a pretty bold statement. But if some of you would begin to go out and share outside these four walls about the miracle that God has worked out in your life, the fact that he saved you, the fact that he rescued, the fact that he healed you, the fact that he made provision, the fact that he protected you, I would venture to say that people will recognize and realize that they can't live without the, the move and miracle of God in their own life and they'll want what you've got. If we will keep the focus on him, and not on us, salvation will be a natural byproduct of the supernatural. Anybody want to be cursed like Jesus cursed these cities? <laughs> no, thank you. Then what I don't want to happen is us to see sign after sign after sign after sign and us come back at the end of the year and say, we didn't see anybody get saved. I want to see signs following you. Now, hear, hear me. Here's a change. I want to see signs following you, and then I want to see people following those signs to who you're following. That was good. I made that up on the spot. I, I want to see signs following you. But that, that's, not, that's not the end, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. I want to see them follow those signs, not back to you. Because what are you going to do for them? Nothing. You can't do anything for them. But if they would follow the signs that are following you and they would follow those signs back to who you're following, their life would be changed forever. And then finally, I want you to hear, I've wrapped it up here on purpose. This is the last one right here. Listen. Signs are the beginning not the end. Because if we're not careful, we will make signs the destination, and signs are not the destination. Let me give you a natural example. If, if you're from out of state and you're traveling to Oklahoma, way out east, let's say you're coming from the east, way out east, you're going to come to this place in the road out there on I-40, and there's going to be this sign that says, Welcome to Oklahoma. Right? And if you stop there at that sign as if that's the destination, let me tell you that you're going to miss seeing some beautiful sights in Oklahoma. There are beautiful sights in Oklahoma, by the way. You're going to miss seeing the depth and the beauty and the richness and the traditions and, and the awesomeness of the OU and the OSU nation. I see I threw you a bone, Mike. The OU nation and the OSU nation. Uh, you're going to miss all of that because you stopped at the sign. That sign is not the end. We used to live out in North Carolina when, I, when we were youth pastor, and we'd come home every Christmas. I can tell you right now, after traveling 21 hours, we did not stop at that sign and say, well, we're home. That's just the beginning. That is not the end. Signs are not the end. When we experience a sign, we cannot stop there, but there we've got to recognize that the sign gives us entrance into a deeper portion of God. It's just the beginning. It's just an indication that we're getting closer to our destination, that we got to press on. You say, well, Steve, why do you say that? Because 
the truth is, is I've met a lot of people that have experienced a sign and they've camped out right there the rest of their life. All they ever want to do is talk about the good old days. When I experienced that, y'all remember when I experienced, let's just talk about my sign. I don't want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about anything current within the last 25 years. I just want to talk about the fact that 25 years ago on a Sunday, somewhere I had a sign interrupt my life and it changed me and that's all they ever want to, yeah, but have you read your Bible since then? No, but let's talk about my sign. Have you grown any spiritually since then? No, let's just talk about my sign. Have you witnessed to one stinking person in the last 25, oh no, but boy, you won't believe what God did for me. Who cares? That was the beginning, not the end. So I want you to see signs. I want signs to interrupt your daily life. I want you to experience healings. I want you to experience provision. I want you to experience victories. I want you to experience breakthroughs. But I don't want you to camp out there. Because the next question that comes after your sign is, have you grown? any since then has anything new happened in your life has the fame of God the fame of Jesus been spread because of what happened in your life yesterday did you know that in nature one of the only it's the, it's the only one I know but I'm sure there are others it's the one I'm aware of did you know that a wasp is one of the few insects that is actually larger at birth than it is at death it actually shrinks all of its life. Selah. Some of y'all Bible people understand what I'm saying there. Just think about that a moment. Because that is the reality for some of you that have encountered and experienced divine moves of God in your life and have come face to face with the supernatural manifestation of God's power working through your life. And you were bigger at the moment then than you are now because you've been shrinking every since. Signs are not our final destination. They are simply an indication that we are on the right path. So don't get comfortable camping out. I, I just want to tell you now, just so you won't bear the wrath of your pastor, 15 years from now when we're still thumping and doing all that we're doing, don't come up and ask to testify about what Jesus did in your life on December the 12th, 2010. Because on December the 12th, 2025, nobody's going to give a rip. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. What I want to know is what did God do in 2025? See, some of y'all are not old enough to understand this yet, but as you get older, we like to camp out at past experiences. I want you to remember what God has done. I want you to write it down. I don't want you to ever discount it. I want you to record it so that you can look back on it, but I don't want you to live there the rest of your life. There's this thing called growth and maturity and, and, and discovering the deep parts of God that force you to get up and move on. Amen myself. I'll do this and then I'll quit because I'm pounding on somebody's toes. Sorry, I'm getting married. In 1984, I had an encounter with God at a youth camp, and y'all don't care. That's fine. I don't expect you to care. You weren't there. That was one of those moments in my life that changed my life forever. Me and two of my friends, Johnny Upton and Les Jones, 
purposed in our heart to have an encounter with God at a youth camp, and we did. But if I'm still, I was 14 years old. I'm older than that now. Just a little bit. At least 10 years. There's two things I can do. One, this happened at Lake Murray. So I can go down there and purchase that land and say, man, I had an encounter with God here. I'm going to stay here the rest of my life. I don't think people do that, but I, I know three disciples that did that on top of a mountain when they saw Jesus transfigured. Let's just build tents and stay here the rest of our Some of you have camped out for so long that it's become a monument. I can't live my life in 1984 as much as I love the hairdos of that day and as much as I would love to break out some parachute pants and all the things that were going and, and do all those. That won't work in 2010. Y'all would laugh at me. You would. Do I discount what God did? No. Changed my life forever. Can I stay there? No. I have to mature. And that is the challenge that I'm, I am putting before you this morning. All that God has done up into your life up until this point is supernatural. But understand there is further to go. That's what signs are about, y'all. Taking us deeper in. I want you to stand with me this morning. <clears throat> some of you need signs. I don't know all your stories, but I know some. I know some of you are struggling right now. In various areas, some of you are struggling in relationships. Some of you are struggling in finances. Some of you are struggling physically. Good news. Jesus is concerned about every area of your life. How do we get in touch with him? Tari just got in touch with Jesus. Well, you think pretty highly of yourself, don't you, Steve? No, I don't. I'm nothing. But this is the promise we have. Signs will follow us. I read it to you. It said Steve. Y'all didn't see that? I saw that in mine. It said Steve would lay hands on the sick, and they would get well. That Steve would be able to cast out devils. That Steve would speak with new tongues. That Steve would do greater things. Didn't it? In fact, I saw it. It said Jessica. I saw it. I saw it said Ryan. In my my Bible, it said Ryan would do Santosh. I saw it. It said Santosh will do greater things. Char, I saw it. I saw what it said. It said Char. Michael, I saw it. It said Michael. Yeah, Woody. That's what it said. What are we waiting on? There are people standing around you right now, but here's the key. There are more people out there. I don't want us to discount the fact that there are people in here that need a sign, but there are more people out there, and all they're waiting on is somebody that would actually believe what we've been talking about for the last nine weeks and walk out and go, not freaky. Could we just take a moment, my brother? Would you kneel and let's confess? And that? No, just walk by and go. That's not freaky. You do that every day. 
while you're thinking about sports instead of thinking about science. You do that every day. Or you're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. You do that every day. I'm asking you to make a change. I'm asking you this when you go in your spirit. Let something change. I want you to lay hands on your neighbor right now. Father, in Jesus' name, whatever the needs of my brother's heart, life, body, whatever it is, right now I pray in Jesus' mighty name that signs the promises that you've made to us that we would be able to lay hands on the sick and they would be made well, that we would be able to drive out darkness, that we would be able to do great and mighty things, greater than you ever did. I pray in Jesus' name right now that signs would be released in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our family members, in the lives of our co-workers, in the lives of unbelievers. I pray that signs would erupt in their lives and it would cause salvation to occur in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now over my congregation, my family, this group of believers, I pray that we will not pervert signs and make it about us. I pray that instead, as we lay hands on one another, as we mingle, as we love on one another on a daily basis, that what would happen is people would follow the signs that are following us to the person that we're following, which is your son, Jesus. I pray that our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and our classmates and our co-workers would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, we don't want to be cursed like your son cursed those cities. We want to see signs, but we want to see them for the right reasons. We want to see them so hearts will bow and knees will bow and tongues will confess that Jesus is Lord. I pray that that would happen. Father, I pray that this congregation, oh, hear my prayer, God. I pray that this congregation would be released to signs, but would not become caught up in signs as if the sign was our final destination. I pray that instead, the signs that we see would just be an indication. They would just be a marker for us that we are on the right path and that we are headed to deeper and greater and more mighty things in you. I pray that as we continue, I believe we're going to continue. I pray that as we continue to see signs, greater signs than we've ever seen before, I pray that when it's all said and done, this time next year, we will be able to reflect and say we've grown in every way. We've grown spiritually. We've grown roots in you, oh God. We've become deeper in you. That's our desire. That's my prayer. That's my commission to this congregation that we would not camp out at a sign. We would grow. Father, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that will be traveling over these holidays. I'm asking that angels, we've seen it happen this week. We know it's a promise that you will put angels to camp around those that fear you. Father, I pray for Woody and Jesse and Karen and Johannes and all of our college students that are traveling and all of those of us that will be going on the road this this year to visit family for this holiday season, this Christmas season. Father, I pray that angels would camp around planes and take camp around our cars and that you would put hand of protection on each and every one. Let this be a blessed time in our life and Father will be quick to praise you and God I ask you for one Christmas present this year for each person here 
my prayer is that each one of us would see one lost person bow their knee to your son Jesus. And if you would do that and allow that, and we will partner with you on that. We won't ask you to explain how it happens. We'll just obey you. Father, if we would see that, we would say this has been the best and the greatest Christmas that we've ever had in our life. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want to get out of here without giving you an opportunity. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or perhaps you've asked Him a long time ago when you've backslidden and you walked away from God, you're not living where you should be living, and you want to come into relationship with Him this morning, I promise you we will not embarrass you, but we do want to pray intelligently, and we have some materials for you. If you're here and you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior, would you just quickly raise your hand and pull it right back down? I want to know Jesus this morning. I want to ask Him into my heart. I want to make Him the Lord of my life, the King of kings. Just a moment longer. Father, I bless every person under the sound of my voice. Keep us safe. Help this to be a blessed Christmas. Help us to come back together next week to celebrate with one another what you've done in our midst. Thank you so much for your signs, the signs that we've seen in our daily life. We thank you for protection. We thank you for provision. We thank you for healing. We thank you for rescuing relationships. You're a good God. Nobody compares to you. And we bless your mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask all these things. Amen. I bless you in the name of Jesus. See you next Saturday for our Fostering Hope for Families party. God bless you. Thank you for being here. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.